It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, how I'm building my offensive line. Did the Hawks save their season last night? And Keon or Nolan, we'll discuss. It's all next, Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Hitting Hard is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. We ask you to head over to YouTube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your search browser. When you get there, Leave uh, hit us the, that subscribe button, be a part of our community. Also, you can leave us a comment. We are free and available to download on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify, Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your favorites. Roku and Amazon Fire is also where you can find us on those two platforms. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. So a lot of discussions about the way we're going to go about trying to build this offensive line as are we going to have a right tackle? Are we going to improve this, that, and the other? So here is how I break down my offensive line. And this is the way that I would like to see it be built. Okay. So let's start with the two known commodities that we all know for sure. Jake Matthews at left tackle, Chris Lindstrom at right guard. That's the two things I think we can set in stone and be confident in moving forward. So I'm good with Jake at left tackle for now. And I'm certainly good with Chris Lindstrom as the best interior offensive lineman in the NFL. So we've got those two positions set. Now, let's go to the center spot, okay? Matt Hennessy or Drew Dahlman? Do I like either one of those guys? No. (laughs) And I do think that they profile as to be the same guy. Undersized guys who get pushed around, okay? But rather than trying to spend a lot of draft capital, Maybe what I do is I bring in a veteran that can compete with one of those two guys because you're not going to necessarily have three centers. And if Dolman or Hennessy beat out the veteran, then I'll cut the veteran. Okay. I'm not bringing in somebody of 
of real high caliber and real high merit. I've said this many times through last year. You can you can have one below average offensive lineman. You can have one guy that's below average, but you can't have two, and they certainly can't stand side by side. And that's what we ran into with Matt Hennessy and Jalen Mayfield. That when you had two guys that were not very good standing side by side, it blew up and it threw off the entire line of scrimmage. So I can live with one of those guys. Can't live with both, you know, but I, I can I can or I can I can't live with having two guys that are bad on my offensive line, but I can have one spot that is subpar. Remember, we went to the Super Bowl with Chris Chester as our left guard. Okay. So you keep that in mind. I can live with either one of those guys. I lean maybe a little bit more toward Hennessy because I got to see Dolman be able to snap the football a little bit more consistently. But let's face it, this administration drafted Drew Dolman. They didn't draft Matt Hennessy. That's the previous administration. So do I like those guys? Eh, I bring in a veteran that if all else fails and I don't think that those guys can start, I bring a guy in that's competent enough to be my starting center. Then we look at our left guard spot, okay? And when we talk about spending some high capital on a position, as far as free agent dollars, I would be fine with spending some real free agent money for my left guard. Not like an Elijah Wilkinson who doesn't cost you much or anything like that. I'm talking about a Nate Davis, a Dalton Risner, one of the top guards that's available in free agency. Now, obviously, Nate Davis has some association with the Titans and all that kind of stuff, but I would be willing to spend some money at that position because we see how important it is, number one, to have not to have two guys that are just kind of there side by side, but if I have a really good guard that can help my center, help a little bit of Jake Matthews, and we know certainly Lindstrom helps with your center, helps with your right tackle. If I spend some real free agent capital, and maybe this is, you know, after a big-time defensive lineman, maybe this is where we spend the second-most capital. Although I do think that, and I hate to say it this way, but Jesse Bates is probably going to end up being an Atlanta Falcon. I'm not as excited about that for, for reasons of spending a lot of money on safety. But if there is a place I would be willing to spend high dollars on a free agent, and, and when I say high dollars, it's not like I'm giving a Nate Davis 14 or $16 million, okay? He's probably a 7 to $9 million a year player, maybe a little bit more than that. Maybe he gets the 10, but probably 7 to $9 million a year. So if I sign a high-caliber left guard, I can live with my center, Lindstrom is obviously the best that there is. And I'm going one of two routes with right tackle, okay? My preference would be to sign Caleb McGarry at, let me say this, a team-friendly deal. Not $16, $18 million a year, not what the franchise tag would be. But if I could get that four for 50, then I would be fine with something like that. 12 to 13 million dollars. I'm good with something like that. Okay. Not five or six years, not for high caliber money, 
But if it's four for 50, I'm good with all of that. If, though, I can't re-sign Caleb McGarry, then I'll take that eighth draft pick and put it into a Broderick Jones or a Paris Johnson or maybe Skaronsky, although I think he profiles better as a guard. But I'm going to take the one of the premier or the premier tackles, and then I have that position locked up. But if I use that number eight draft pick, then I can look at potentially in a year or two flip-flopping Jake Matthews and my number eight pick. Put a Paris Johnson for a year or two at right tackle, swap him over to the left side, and then move Jake over to the right side. So I would be willing to do that. Now, if I sign McGarry, if I keep McGarry in the fold and I get him for a four for uh, $50 million deal, okay, I would not have a problem with that 44th pick in the second round of the draft, then drafting a premier offensive lineman, then drafting the best of either interior or tackle or even maybe center. I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind using a second round draft pick to continue to build this offensive line. And my philosophy is this. When I have a strength and I have something that is good, I'm not going to pull away from that strength. I'm going to continue to build it. I know I'm here, I want to be here. Right? I'm not going to take any steps backward on my offensive line. And I really do think that that is an important part of when you try to develop things, making sure that you don't take steps back from what you do best. And at a premier positional group, right? If we think about, again, and I say this all the time, and I've said in the podcast that quarterback, offensive line, defensive line, if you're really good at those three places, you won't be a bad football team. You'll never be a bad football team. I don't care what your wide receivers are. I don't care what your corners are. I don't care what your safeties are. I don't care what your unicorn tight ends are. If you're good at quarterback, O-line, D-line, then you will always be a really good football team. The 49ers have proved this. They've had three different quarterbacks and two different head coaches, and they've been to five of the last 10 conference title games. Why do they have it every other year that they're in the conference title game? because they're the best line of scrimmage team in the NFL. So that's how I build my offensive line. Lindstrom, Jake, Set. I'll live with my center, high caliber free agent at left guard, and if I can't sign McGarry at right tackle, then I go with the number eight pick and draft an offensive lineman. All right, let's talk about our friends over at FanDuel. Listen, FanDuel is America's number one sports book, and when you sign up today, you have a chance to claim your no-sweat first bet where you can win as much as $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Now, FanDuel is safe, secure, super easy to use. You can bet on everything from money lines to props to everything in between, and you can combine bets for a bigger chance at the same game parlay. So head to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and claim your no-sweat first bet where you can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. 
Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook betting partner of the NBA. So did the Atlanta Hawks, and, and again, from a more immediate view, did the Hawks save their season last night? Because here's what would have happened if the Hawks would have lost last night, okay? Number one, you would have flipped with Washington. You got you got a, a break that, you know, Toronto lost last night. Um, Fred Van... Fred Van Vliet was just beside himself about the about the uh, refereeing in that game. So, okay, they took a loss. But if you'd have lost last night and you flip with Washington and you're looking at potentially staring at 0-4 on the road trip and you've got the back-to-back where you play tomorrow night, then you play on Saturday at home, but albeit against Boston, Things really would have gotten sideways, and you would have, you would have been right there with Toronto, Washington. Those teams could have passed you, separating themselves from Miami and all that. So, in some little microcosm of the universe, the Hawks figured out a way to get a victory last night, where they were down by as much as fifteen points, and may have sort of saved the season for whatever that is. Okay, we said yesterday on the podcast. I don't think that they're a number six seed. I don't think that they can get themselves up to that point. They're still four and a half back of Brooklyn who didn't play last night. And some things worked out for you, right? You beat Washington. Toronto lost last night to the Clippers, right? So that's good that they lost to not put them on your heels. Now you're a game and a half ahead of Toronto. You're two games ahead of Washington. The Miami Heat lost last night. They lost to Cleveland. So you gained a game on them for the number seven position in the standings to where now you're, what are you? A, a game and a half back of the Miami Heat at 33 and 33. And look, it's even if the Hawks split this series, okay? It's not at least a total disaster when you come when it comes to playing Washington, right? You know, I know it's going to be hard to win twice on a team's home court, but getting that first one makes you feel a little bit better that okay, we could go on the road. I think the Hawks had lost five road games in a row. We've went on the road, we got a victory, we beat a team that's nipping on our heels. Yeah, they're not very good either. But, you know, we survived Porzingis scoring 43. We survived Kyle Kuzma and Bradley Beal having 20, 22, 23 points. You know, we survived some of that stuff, and we found a way to win. Because now if you win, you feel like a whole new generated team. And look, my personal opinion, all I'm playing for is the eight seed right now, seven or eight seed. Okay, I don't think the six seed is realistic, but it was a lot more realistic that you were going to be 9-10 than you were going to be the six seed. And because you're going to hold serve and you feel some confidence that you picked up a road win, you snapped that streak, you know you can beat Washington on their floor, it should give you some confidence, and then let the chips fall where they, where they go on Saturday. Do I think they're going to beat Boston on Saturday? No, but we'll talk about that uh, another time here. 
So in a little microcosm of, of all things and stuff like that, you know, this, this was a good win for the Atlanta Hawks. Trey played well. John Collins had some good moments. Got, you know, some uh, 10 points, double-digit scoring from Jalen Johnson off their bench. They found a way to come back from being as much as, you know, they were down at their at their peak 15 points. They spent a lot of time being down 10 or 12 points in the game. And they should feel pretty good about this. DeJounte Murray did not play well last night. I expect him to play better. I expect that he will have a better game come Friday night. So there are a lot of things that you, you, you just kind of go in there and go, we got a victory tonight. We 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 beat Washington. We snapped our five-game road losing streak. We we know we can do this now. DeJounte didn't play all that well, but Trey played really well. We didn't have all of our stars that played really well. Whew, exhale. And now you get some confidence going into the second game against the Washington Wizards or whatever they're called, the Boulets or whatever they are known as now. And their pink uniforms and all that kind of stuff. Jeez. Anyway, so... Last night was a big win for the Hawks. It may not feel like that. It may not seem like that. But when you're down to a minuscule number of games, right? You're down to just a handful of games and you're trying to make up ground. You're trying to stay ahead of some people. You're trying to catch some people. And things worked out more than just the Hawks winning. Things worked out for the Hawks last night. With Toronto losing, with the Miami Heat losing, things worked. Them. It was a good night all the way around for the Atlanta Hawks. So in the microcosm, little tiny bubble of where we're trying to live right now, forget a year from now, forget what the, in the universe of where we are at right now, this was a big win for the Hawks. And maybe it was even a season saving kind of win last night that if you can hold serve in that eight seed that's all i'm expecting have the seven or eight seed and then you win one game and you can go into the first round of the playoffs as the seven seed it's all i'm looking for at this point not worried about sixes but i am worried about nine or ten all right besides making hit hard with john chuck where your first listen every day make sure you make locked on sports today your second listen the biggest stories of the day instant reactions big game recaps and the take of the day available on Odyssey, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get all of your favorite podcasts from. So there's a lot of buzz about Nolan Smith now in this draft because of his combine performance. And we had, speaking of Nate Davis, we didn't have the Tennessee football player, but we had Nate Davis from USA Today on the show. I'm filling in on the mornings on the on the morning show earlier. And he was talking about Nolan Smith may have worked himself up into the top half of the first round of the NFL draft. Now, let me look at a couple of different players, okay? Nolan Smith or Keon White. If I'm picking, and I know that they're a little bit different as far as Nolan's working his way up because of the combine. Keon White didn't do all the running and stuff like that, but could still shine out his pro day, but he's getting a lot of buzz. Maybe Nolan's a first-round pick. Maybe Keon White is a lower first-round to early second-round pick. But if I'm just picking off of things, okay, do I want Nolan Smith or Keon White, okay? 
My choice, Keon White. I think he's the bigger, more physical guy. Yes, he's raw. But then again, Nolan Smith is sort of a raw pass rusher as well. Nolan Smith is not a polished pass rusher. And I do think that Nolan Smith will be a better pro than he was a Georgia Bulldog from a statistical sense. But running fast in the 40-yard dash doesn't really matter. Uh, unless you're trying to chase down a running back from 40 yards out, then it really doesn't matter at that point. What matters is when that 310-pound tackle is lined up on the right side or the left side, can you get around that guy and can you operate in a phone booth if you can't beat him with your first step? And Keon White showed you, if nothing at the combine, he's got the strength. He definitely, well, I think it was 38 reps or 32 reps of 225 at the, at the combine. So running fast is no prerequisite for being a great defensive end player. You know, Nolan's coming in at 238 pounds. He probably profiles as more of an outside linebacker than a traditional kind of rush end. But Keon White can be a guy like that at 285 that he could play some outside linebacker, but he could be a traditional rush end. I think he has a little bit more flexibility in where he can play. And I think that the thing that is going to hurt Nolan Smith is when he gets into the NFL and he finds out that all of those guys are quick. Yes, it was a brilliant performance from Nolan Smith. It was fantastic to watch, and it's really impressive. But you don't run 40-yard dashes in the NFL. You, you don't have to run 40 yards in the NFL. You have to get off the ball, get around that guy, move him around or quick beat him. And I think when you look at the size, the strength, and even the quickness that Keon White has showed, that he can certainly be, he can certainly be, I think, a, a premier pick. So if I'm picking between the two guys, if I'm picking Nolan Smith or Keon White, and that's the only two guys, okay? Forget Tyrese, Tyree Wilson and, and all these other guys that are uh, uh, that could eventually be available. If I have to pick between those two guys, I like the profile of what Keon White has more than I do the profile of Nolan Smith. I think both guys are going to succeed at the NFL level. I think Nolan Smith is going to be a better pro than he was as a player at Georgia. And I do think that there is some things that there are some intangibles about a Nolan Smith. I think the leadership, I think the fact that he stayed with his team, even when he was injured, where he was talking about, well, maybe I'll go, I'll go get myself prepped and ready to go for the draft. He stayed with the Georgia Bulldogs and, and was with them all the way through their national title. So I do think that from a personality standpoint that you like to see things like that out of the player. But I can't get over some of the fact of 238 pounds versus 285. The strength that Keon White has, where again, 32 reps or 38 reps of 225. And I think that Keon White has a little bit more flexibility. I think he can be a guy that has a little bit more flex on 3-4 or 4-3. So again, if I have to pick between those two guys, and wouldn't that be great if we could get both those guys? But anyway, if it was Atlanta Falcons. 
But I think I profile more toward Keon White for not just because, again, running fast in a straight line is great, but I don't know how many times you you do that in the NFL. And even the 10-yard burst, and I know Nolan Smith had a really good 10-yard burst, and now they start comparing him to Khalil Mack. Brother, Khalil Mack was a guy who could play inside and outside. Ain't no way that Nolan Smith is is kicking himself inside at 238 pounds. Ain't no way that Nolan Smith can be an interior presence at 238. Khalil Mack was a pro bowler, an all-pro inside and outside. So give me Keon White. I know they don't exactly profile in the same exact draft place, but don't be surprised if Keon White doesn't start to climb more and more up boards. Nolan Smith has worked his way into probably a top half first rounder. I think Keon White is going to move himself up into a maybe almost a guaranteed first rounder when all is said and done. All right, well, thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuck for your first listen every day. Make sure you make Locked On Sports today your second listen. Biggest stories of the day, instant reaction, big game recaps, and the take of the day were available on Odyssey, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast from. We ask you to head over to YouTube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your search browser. When you get there, hit that subscribe button. Be a part of our community as we try to grow to 6,000 YouTube subscribers and leave us a comment there as well. We are also free and available to download on all of your favorite podcast platforms. So whether you like Spotify, whether you like Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your favorites, check us out there. Roku and Amazon Fire is two additional ways that you can download all of our great content and then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. We'll wrap up the week tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 